0: Today, on Bread for the Broken, with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Bread for the
1: broken. Jesus said himself, I'm the good shepherd. I know how to take care of my sheep. I know how to anoint them with oil. If they're sick, I know how to take care of them. If they're hungry, I know how to feed them. I know how to bring them into the best pastures. If we're going through a dark valley, I know how to lead them through that dark valley to get to the other side. I know how to make them rest beside the the still waters. We are his sheep, and sheep would do really good. I, as a sheep, would do really well in just to trust the
0: shepherd. In a world that's filled with uncertainty, there's one constant presence guiding us with unwavering love and care. In today's message, Pastor James talks about how Jesus is the Good Shepherd. When you feel lost, he calls you by name, offering solace and protection. He knows his sheep, and his sheep know him. In times of darkness, he's the beacon of hope, guiding you towards green pastures and still waters. No matter how far you might have wandered, the Good Shepherd seeks you out, ready to embrace you with open arms. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Psalms, chapter 100, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Our
1: worship should be intelligent. This is a mark against Christians, uh, or it has been for a while, is that Christianity, is a, it's a crutch for weak-minded people. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but um, that's, that's kind of one of the things that's out there. It's still pretty prevalent today, especially from intellectuals. They would say like, oh, well, your, your faith is your crutch because you're weak-minded. You're just not strong enough to make it through this life, and you need something to help you get through this life. When, in fact, the Bible is very, very clear about our worship should be intelligent. You should actually engage your minds when you show up to church. If you notice in, in our entryways, we don't have a place where you leave your brain. Okay, I don't know if you guys noticed that, but we actually want you to keep it. Because we actually want you to use your brain that God has given you. Because our worship should be intellectual. It should be intellectual. We should be constantly growing in our understanding of, of who he is and, and, and what he's done. And the psalmist, the psalmist got that, man. He, he understood like, and if this was David who wrote the psalm, he spent most of his life outside, out, outdoors, you know, so he got to witness a lot of things. He got to, he got to witness, you know, and taking care of sheep and, and dealing with wolves and bears and lions and all that good stuff. And, and how these, you know, these animals, these beautiful little animals that are just about as dumb as all get out in one sense, and they're kind of smart, but also kind of dumb, right? Um, but he got to watch just like the beauty of creation and how that was God and how intelligent God is and, and how he designed everything so perfectly and that should trigger within our brains that, man, God, he is, he is intelligent. And what I bring to him should not be mindless, like, I'm just going to sing some songs. I'm just going to open up this book and stare off into spaces. And just so I can check off my box and go about my business, it's not about that. It's about engaging yourself with the elements of worship, singing the songs. Know what you're singing. Here's another thing, good little point. When you are listening to music, you ought to know what you're listening to, the lyrics. They matter. They matter. Now, listen, I'm a hooks and beats guy, okay? I love, I mean, I can get swept up in a good, catchy song, and it's just like, got the right beat, I'm like, yeah, I'm all in, right? Like I'm. But then you stop and you listen to the lyrics, and you're like, well, this is stupid. Like, this doesn't make any sense at all. It doesn't. And a lot of songs out there, they just don't make a lot of sense, right? Because why? Because... Unfortunately, it seems like nowadays, lyrics don't really sell. It's hooks and beats. It's all that stuff, right? Even in our worship songs, what are you singing? What are we singing? How much of it is about Jesus and how much of it is about us? These are things we ought to consider. And if it's like, this song's like 90% about me, stop singing it. You don't need, no, Jesus, more Jesus, you got to engage your brain. You've you got to turn it on and, and think through some of this stuff. If you were to show up and you're listening to a teaching from a pastor like me, well, what, what am I saying? What, am I actually teaching from the Word? Am I actually like treating this book here with tremendous amounts of respect as it is the Word of God? Or is it just like a, a launch pad kind of a thing? I can read my verse and then I can jump off into my funny stories and my clever stories or my emotionally driven stories to get you to cry and to move you, to get you to get those feelings, right? And then you walk out of here and you're thinking, like, man, that was good. That was really good. What'd you learn? Nothing. Huh. Then it's not good. Then it's not good. Those songs that you sang, what'd you sing? I don't know. <laughs> Go back and sing them again. You, we got to engage our brains. God's given us this beautiful thing up here inside of our domes, and we got to engage these things. Know what you're taking in. Know what you're taking in and, and what's being fed to you. And Christians should be, should absol- absolutely be some of the most on, uh, on guard kind of people, running that filter. It's the, the Bible filter. It's the Jesus filter. Like, it's got to run through this thing, okay, before I'm going to give it any space here because the goal is for it to, you know, whatever information, whatever lyrics, to process into here and to make it down into this thing, which is your heart, okay? But it's got to run through a filter, and you, you got to let it all pass through a filter, and that filter should be like your Jesus filter or the Bible filter, Something, it's got to pass through there before you ever let it into here, okay? But it takes this brain, it takes the brain to do that. So acknowledge that the Lord, is, the Lord is God. He made us. We are His. There's an element of submission that's there. It says we are His people, the sheep of His pasture. So before you think too highly of, well, before we think too highly of ourselves, we should, we should understand that we are sheep, okay? We are all sheep. These, again clever, little, beautiful, little, probably stubborn creatures that get themselves into all sorts of trouble, all sorts of trouble. Um, there's, there's plenty of books that have been written about these things, um, but there's one book that I would recommend. The Shepherds Look at Psalm 23, uh, and it deals with a, a guy who, who, at one point in time, he was a, a shepherd of sheep. And he talks about just the headaches and frustrations that you deal with um, with with some of these sheep, and you're just and it, it's so funny how it mirrors humanity. I mean, it's just like there couldn't have been a better animal that God used to describe us as, right? And you read through some of those stories, and you're just like, man, that's what God has to deal with. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that one sheep that like stop wandering off. Why are you going to the dangerous places? Stop. No. And what does the shepherd have to do? The shepherd goes and pursues the one. He leaves the 99 to go get the one because the one, it's going to kill itself. Like, you don't understand the danger. And then the beauty of that shepherd getting that sheep and then sometimes, cause, sometimes having to go for drastic measures and breaking that sheep's leg so that it learns the lesson of, like, you need to stay close to the shepherd. The coolest part about that, if the shepherd ever has to do that, breaks the sheep's leg, mends it back, carries the sheep on his shoulders until it's healed. That's what, isn't that what the Lord does for us? He's like, hey, stop, stop going there. Oh, okay, Lord, I'm gonna do better today. He's like, let you out of the sheep pen and you're like, right, beeline, right to the, the edge of the cliff. And he's like, ah, okay, crack. Well, that doesn't seem loving. Oh, it's the most loving thing ever. It's the most loving thing ever. You may not be aware of the ledge that you're quickly approaching, or you may not be aware of the herd of wolves or the pack of wolves that's just around the corner, right? But the shepherd knows. The shepherd knows. We're the sheep. He's the shepherd. Read Psalm 23. That's speaking of, that's a, that's speaking of the good shepherd who is Jesus, John chapter 10, Jesus said himself, I'm the good shepherd. I know how to take care of my sheep. I know how to anoint them with oil. If they're sick, I know how to take care of them. If they're hungry, I know how to feed them. I know how to bring them into the best pastures. If we're going through a dark valley, I know how to lead them through that dark valley to get to the other side. I know how to make them rest beside the the still waters. We are his sheep, and sheep would do really good I, as a sheep, would do really well in just to trust the shepherd and just to hear his voice and to follow him. He says, verse 4, this is the key verse of this whole psalm, of this super long psalm. No, it's not long at all. It's five verses. Here it is, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. That's why we get the, the psalm of thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Right? We know that. If you grew up in a church at all, you probably, that song's probably playing through your head right now, right? So you're like, oh yeah, can we sing that song? Eh, I don't know. Um, You've got to have the right, you know, the people to echo over here and the people to echo over here. I'm not sure if that's what they do or not, but um, that seems to be flashbacks from when I was a child in a Baptist church. And I was like, wait, who's, what are we doing? Why are they singing? No, why are they? Okay. Um, I was always lost, but that's just me. Enter um, his gates with thanksgiving. And now here's what's cool about this this verse. Enter. That's that's a personal thing. That's that's a that's a movement thing. That's a choice. Okay? The gates are open. The gates are open. They're accessible. The to go into the court with praise is has been made available to anybody. The gates are open, but you got to enter into the gates. You got to take that step. You got to go for it. And if you're going to go through the gates, you might as well do it with thanksgiving. Don't go in, in through the gates begrudgingly. Like, oh, man, I got go to I gotta go to church. You're like, wait, what? You don't sound happy about that. Well, I'm kind of not. Well, then don't go to church. like, Or no, maybe go to church. And maybe go and repent, right? Like, we should be stoked about church. We should be happy about church. It shouldn't be like a, you know, at least until t- times change, When the, if this thing becomes illegal, which, you know, that's very possible in our future, then you might have to be a little more underground about it. Kind of like our brothers and sisters in other countries where it is illegal. But you know what? They're entering through the gates with thanksgiving in their hearts. And that's where, man, we would be, we would be really wise into making this a practice, a habit of ours, getting excited about church, about church, about getting together with brothers and sisters, about having the opportunity to be used by the Lord. Now, it's not limited to just Sundays or Wednesdays, but but my goodness, we, we have that, you know, some for some of us, we get this specific hour, hour and a half to be used by God in a very specific way. We should be happy about that. We should be looking forward to that. We should be stoked about that. But we're not always. And if I'm honest, even as a pastor, there have been many times where I'm like, oh no, it's Sunday. (laughs) Like, already? Like, oh, it's, no, it's not. No, yeah, it's already Wednesday. Praise God that as I've grown up in the Lord, that becomes less and less. It becomes less and less. But I know there were many Wednesday nights as a youth pastor where I'm like, oh, oh I just don't, I don't have the patience tonight. <laughs> I don't have it. Lord, I don't have it in me, right? Um, dealing with all these kids. The attitude of our hearts should be to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Now, that's not limited just to church. I don't want you to think that's just a church. That's that's when you show up when you wake up, and you're going to spend time with him, Okay? You're entering his gates with thanksgiving. That's why Jesus, when he gave out that model prayer, he placed emphasis on you should be thankful. You should be, there should be an attitude of gratitude behind your prayer life. In acknowledging who God is, you know, and his provision and all that stuff, and just grateful for the things that he's done for you. And how he's provided for you and all that stuff. I mean, it's just, it's the undercurrent of your prayer life should be that of of thankfulness. I'm thankful. My life might not be going the way I planned it. Things might not be happening the way that I want them to be, but I still have every reason to be thankful because I'm here, because I'm still alive. And as long as you're still breathing, he's not done with you and your story is not over. So enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Spurgeon also said, Charles Spurgeon, Prince of Preachers is what they called this guy. He lived about 100 and something years ago um, in England. He says, as long as we are receivers of mercy, we must be givers of thanks. As long as we are receivers of mercy, we ought to be givers of thanks. Here's when you can stop thanking God, when he stops showing you mercy. And I can tell you, um, that's never going to happen. That'll never happen. So always be thankful. We, we even read through that with, uh, we, we studied through that in First Thessalonians. Paul ended that book with talking about how we should, we should always be thankful. We should always be thankful. We should always be thanking God. And, and I even charge you guys, even this past Sunday, apparently we had a topical message this is how this is how my week's been. Greg was talking to me about our message Sunday, and I'm like, I don't even know what I taught on Sunday. I'm like, I have no idea. He's referencing, and I'm, I'm, the wheels were, were i can surprise he didn't see smoke coming out of my ears because I'm like, what did I teach on Sunday? I have no reference of recollection recollection at all. It's been a long week, uh, and it's only Wednesday. Um, so, but there, there's with this. This thankfulness, we, we should make a list of all the things that we're thankful for. Just write it out. Just write it out. Have an ongoing list of like, today, I am thankful for, I'm thankful for these things. And it's so healthy. And again, talking about that intellectual, using your brain, it's so good for your brain to write stuff down. Write it down. You have it on record. Stick it in your Bible. I am thankful for these things. And that should be a growing list, Okay. We have so much to be thankful for. And his mercies are new every morning. Uh, You can also be thankful for his grace, which never ends. It never ends. So his mercy never ends. His grace never ends. His love never fails. He himself never changes, which should put you at rest. He never changes. So give him the thanks that he deserves, right? The last little verse here, verse 5, says this is the, the why right? You always gotta. that should be always on, on our hearts and our minds. Like, okay, so you're telling me to do this stuff, but why? Why? Why should I be thankful? Verse five says, for the Lord is good. <laughs> but why, why should I be thankful? Well, because God's good. Well, not to me. Well, you don't, just because you don't recognize it doesn't mean he's not good to you, right? You, you do that. You did that. Oh, he, that's God's goodness in your life. You have the ability to be alive right now and to breathe and to enjoy food. Tomorrow, too much food, I'm sure of it. That's, that's just should just direct our attention to like, man, you just ate that big old plate of turkey and mashed potatoes and whatever else you pile onto your plate. You push away from the table and you're like, God is good, right? And you would be right in ascribing Him praise for good food, okay? The fact that you were able to eat and enjoy it, praise God. Praise God. In fact, I think even food, that element of enjoying food and stuff goes well beyond this life. Um, there's mention of in eternity, you know, uh, the, the wedding feast and the table and all that good stuff. I, I, think, I think food's going to be with us probably forever. I mean, I, I don't know. I can't say that dogmatically, but I'm, I'm just thinking that, you know, new heaven, new earth, We may not be celebrating Thanksgiving, you know, because of the pilgrims and all that good stuff in new heaven and new earth, but every day might be Thanksgiving in in the new heaven and new earth. And the food is going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. If we get there and there's no food, you can come find me and be like, dude, where's the food? I'll be like, I don't know. Um, Go talk to that guy uh, who told me that there was going to be good food. Um, But there's so much to be thankful for because the Lord is good. He is good. How good is He? The, the verse, the next sentence says, His unfailing love continues forever. His unfailing love, love that will never fail you, uh, a love that will—I mean, technically speaking—a love that that won't disappoint. Now, will you suffer disappointment in life? Of course you will. Of course you will. But concerning the perfect agape love of God, it will never fail you. It will never fail you because he is good. And he's good to those who call upon him. I mean, my goodness, he's good to those who reject him. The rain falls on the just and the wicked all the same. It's just tragic that a world would go th- would go throughout their entire lives rejecting the one who is so good and the one who's been so good to them from day one until the last day of their lives. And only then to realize, I think I missed it. You were good. And he's like, yeah, I was. I just wish you would have acknowledged that years ago because now it's too late. Now it's too late. But his unfailing love continues forever and forever. And not only his unfailing love, uh, it says his, his, uh, his faithfulness continues to each generation. The, God, the Lord is faithful. Even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. What an amazing God. What an amazing God. And, and I, I hope this kind of paints within our mind that here's God who, ha- who has given us access right? Access to his throne. Now, we know this is back in the Psalms, and you know, n- n- not hardly anybody had direct access to the throne room of God, right? Like one guy, one, once a year, had access into the throne room of God. And they had to tie a rope around his ankle just in case he didn't make it, right? So they could drag his corpse out of there. But where we're at, we're on this side of the cross, this side of the empty tomb, where we have direct access to God. And I hope that this would frame within our brains how loving and how welcoming and how gracious and how compassionate God is, where we have every reason not to go in cowering in fear, because it's like, oh, man, I hope I sing the right song, or I hope I don't say the wrong thing, and he might get me, to where it's just like, I'm going in as one of his kids, and I'm a mess. And he knows it, and I'm probably going to say the wrong thing. I'm probably going to sing the wrong part at the wrong time and do all that stuff, and I'm probably going to misquote that Bible verse. And I'm going to make a big mess of it all, but there's, there's my heavenly Father, and he loves me like crazy. I hope that that's kind of what this, this conveys to us, is that that's who God is. He will bring justice to a wicked world that, that is, by and large, you know, kind of rejecting him. He will make right the wrongs that, that we, all throughout humanity, the course of time, that we, we have allowed to happen, or we have voted for to happen, or we've sat quietly by and all that good stuff, or we've just been plain ignorant of. He knows how to right all the wrongs, and he will do that. But I hope, as Christians or anybody who's watching online, that you would understand that the, you can just go right to him. You can just go right to him and experience the the love of God and how good he is and how gracious and how merciful he is. There's a quote from uh, Francis Hill Tucker. It says this concerning the gates being open, right? For to the most guilty are the gates of his church open. To the most guilty. That's just another reminder. There's... There's just nothing that stands in the way. If you're like, well, I, I, but you don't know. You don't know. You don't know what I did. You don't know my, they don't need to know. Don't know. He does know. And the beauty of it is the gates are open where you, you know, for anybody and everybody to come in and to do what? To get right with him. To get right with him. Maybe they're an outsider and they don't know him. Well, maybe he's just, he's wanting that, that opportunity especially for them to be born again that's a word we use to be reborn born again
0: you've been listening to the radio ministry Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle we're based out of Galveston, Texas with the support of Calvary Galveston and listeners like you we trust that what you heard in today's message stirred something inside of you to a point of action These teachings are meant to help you find hope and new life in Jesus. And that's our heart's desire for you today. If you're in the Galveston area, would you come be a part of what's happening at Calvary Galveston? Our atmosphere is simple, laid back, and uncomplicated. We just want to magnify Jesus at all ages. To learn more about our ministry, we invite you to visit breadforthebroken.com. We also do a live stream on Facebook, so check it out, even if you are a little further away. If you're interested in hearing more messages like this one, you can do that by going to the Listen tab at breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, why not discover a little more about the church and this ministry, as well as look for opportunities to partner with us here. There's a Give tab that's easily accessible on our website too, if you feel led to support us in a financial way. We'd also love it if you would join us in praying for this ministry. Pastor James is excited to share new things with you in the coming study. There's always more that we can gain from diving deep into God's Word. Until next time, we encourage you to stay connected to God and His Word and to then come back for more solid teachings right here. We'll be waiting for you here on Bread for the Broken.